Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Welcome back to another episode of the Red Light Report. On today's podcast, we have a special guest, Nadine Artemis, uh, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. So Nadine, buckle up. She is the author of two books, including Renegade Beauty and Holistic Dental Care. Uh, She's the creator of Living Libations, which is a luxury line of organic, wild-crafted, non-GMO serums, elixirs, and essential oils for those seeking the purest of the pure botanical natural health and wellness and beauty products on the planet. She is a beauty philosopher, aromacologist, it's the first time I've heard of that, I love that, and botanical muse. Nadine believes in simplicity and a natural rhythmic approach. She is a disruptor to the mainstream idea of quote-unquote wellness, beauty, and beauty products. Uh, She's a frequent commentator on health and beauty for media outlets, and her products have received rave reviews in the New York Times, Goop, New York Magazine, Vogue, InStyle, The Hollywood Reporter, and many more. Nadine, that's one heck of a resume. I appreciate your time. Uh, to, to be on the Red Light Report. Welcome. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. So I don't know where we could begin other than the colloquial question. Uh, tell the audience you know, a little bit about your background and how you've uh, grown uh, into this area and have become an aromacologist upon uh, other uh, expertises. And, and we talked about a little bit before jumping on the record, uh, pushing the record button, I should say, the second book, Holistic Dental Care, and I already have a laundry list of questions we could center around that, but just give us some background on yourself and how you've gotten to where you are today. Yeah, sometimes I'm not sure where to jump in at the the journey story, but definitely, you know, when I was a kid, I got to fortunately spend so much time out in nature, and we, you know, we lived. Um, there was a cottage by the lake, and I was just always crushing up things and mixing things, and then at home I would be crushing up things in my mother's bathroom, mixing like the Chanel perfume with the skull and crossbones, whatever under the sink. <laughs> You know, just kind of making concoctions all the time. Um, and then in grade nine, I uh, got to do a science fair project. And I was really intrigued and found a b- book on making perfumery. And it talked about these beautiful things. So I just had bottles of perfume. I didn't know where the stuff inside it came from. And it talked about the distilling of essences and essential oils. Like, and they, well, they talked about the distillation and that you could find them and they were called essential oils. So you could probably find them in a health food store, et cetera, et cetera. So for the perfume project, I remade. Nina Ricci's Lair de Tong, which was a popular perfume at the time. And that was my first, like, you know, my mom drove me to a health food store and I got my first whiff of like jasmine and orange and ylang. And I was like, you know, I didn't have the language then, but they definitely spoke to me. I didn't know there was like this difference between natural and synthetic, but they really spoke to me. Um, you know, and then I just kind of had a typical teenage, you know, girl growing up in the 80s, lots, lots of makeup and hairspray. And then, um, I got to university and that's when I really started to question a lot of things. I was like looking at what I was eating. There was some stuff coming in on like, you know, environment and food and growing. And I would walk by this health food store every day to get home. It was called grains and beans and things. And I would eventually get every book in there. And there was a lot on, um, you know, naturopathic stuff, like how to heal the body, you know, just simple things like getting rid of headaches or toothaches or stomach aches. And it was just like opened up a whole other world 
in how we can take care of our body and these sort of small, irritating sort of ailments that aren't that big of a deal. But that, you know, so I was starting to see how the essential oils and the ingredients could really come together and help the body. So I really, you know, I went into everything, how I was eating. I was like, it was like 1990, I was making like oat milk. Now I of course wouldn't have oat milk, but you know, it was really at the, at the leading edge. And I was really understanding like the ingredients and what I was making and eating and how to read a label at the supermarket and all the false stuff about secondary ingredients. And then it didn't take me long to just look at my body care and just realize the total BS you know, it was still a petroleum promised land. It was the body shop, which I thought was natural. But then I realized, you know, there's never the cucumber toner never saw a cucumber. And it was just a lot of BS. But in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, I get to like concoct skincare because now I, I can see everything is is not so good. So I started to while I was going to university, sort of whip up these creations whether it was for things like scars, eczema, uh, I had something called waitress legs for spider veins and varicose veins. I started making um, gum oil and people loved it. Sort of like a side business as going through university. And then when I graduated, I actually, and then I opened up North America's first full concept aromatherapy store where we would do like custom blends and, you know, like Alanis Morissette would come in and we'd blend her a custom perfume. It was super fun. And that, you know, and then again, I'm hearing like that from all the clients, all the sort of like ailments that people carry around with them. So I feel like I got a lot of one-on-one -on, -one on what people need for their skincare and that kind of thing. So that was, you know, my how I started to become like a formulator and aromacologist. And then as I'm taking care of my own body, you know, I'm seeing like what I thought were holistic dentists at the time. And, you know, uh, when you're a, a young entrepreneur, you're kind of ne maybe neglect your teeth because you're off your parents' program. And so she was just like, you know, you know, I see the start of a cavity. You can reverse this, which was like new to me. I had never heard of that before. She was just like, go home, work with um, you know, those things that you make, and then we'll come back and x-ray it wait, x -ray it in six months. So we did that and it had it had shifted, it had not developed. So that was sort of the beginning of the dental thing. And then it was just sort of, yeah, rolling in, just like, how are we gonna care for the body? And that's what's fascinated me ever since. <laughs> so where does that leave you today? Are you still doing both of those things? So you have two books. When were those books published? So um, I first published my own dental book because I was just like, it needs to get out there. And then through self-publishing, I got published into holistic dental care. And that was 2012. And now it's in five languages. And then recently it's gone on to Audible. And then in 2017, was it 2018? I wrote Renegade Beauty, which is like to me, well, it's like as much as I could download, you know, on all the ways that we care for the body. Um Obviously, there's a special focus for women, but it's really for men and women. Um, skin is a major thing. There's an A to Z of like every kind of weird skin ailment, you know, from like moles to acne. There's a great dental chapter in there as well. Uh, stuff on bones, breasts, pregnancy, just like the whole journey of the of the body. It has been called the Beauty Bible. <laughs> I'm no kidding, the Beauty Bible. So yeah, folks, it's called Renegade Beauty. And uh, the dental book is Holistic Dental Care. Is Renegade Beauty on um, Audible yet? It is. It is. Yeah, awesome. So it's just not good. I don't think they're going to um, translate it because it's like 500 pages. Wow. So you and I kind of uh, collaborated and met through our companies, Living Libations and BioLite. So I kind of said it in the uh, intro here, but give us a little bit more detail on uh, what Living Libations is. 
and and like can people purchase from your your company and, and so forth yeah so i was saying before i had i opened up this store and i you know ran that for a bit but then i was sort of you know we had a the internet everything was changing that was in the 90s so i did close that because i also wanted to move into the country and so then that's when the living living libations formed which was sort of the next evolution a lot of my same formulas that i've had for 30 years which is crazy to think about <laughs> um and then um and that's i also met ron my husband um that was back in like 2002 so that was sort of like a significant part in living libations chapter and then we moved to the country on some acreage. And then that's when we could really, really take off into this next level because we finally had space and everything to do to do what we needed. So that was, uh, yeah, about 20 years ago. And then, you know, since the, so that was a thriving business. We had a fire in 2013, took everything. But from there, we've rebuilt and we have this award winning eco headquarters um, on, on another part of our land that we built like we need another five acres for that and so we have this this awesome headquarters where we manufacture everything you know we've designed the whole building and into how we create our products so that's really awesome that we just have such a, a great base to create a full range i mean we make you know toothpaste oral care um shampoo lotions potions like you name it and that's what we like i've been doing for about 30 years but living libations is about 22 years old now Wow, that's simply amazing. Um, especially the resiliency after having something like a fire just take everything away and having to start from yeah. ground zero again. That's amazing. What would you say are like some of your most popular products and are you still like formulating new things to this day? Yes, I wish I could like, yeah, I have like about 50 products in my head all the time. <laughs> like, let's get this and do this. So sometimes I have to actually restrain myself. A blessing and a curse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think one thing that we've really revolutionized is... Um, our dental serums, because they didn't even really exist before, but they're really these potent, I think of them as botanical biotics that you can use for gum repair, tooth repair, they can replace toothpaste. I mean, we also make toothpaste, but they're really potent and they can really help the oral microbiome. And then I think another thing we, that we've revolutionized is um, washing the face and the body with oil. So we have these beautiful things called best skin ever and um, it's crazy how phenomenal it is. And when people transition from soaping and um, people that may have added cystic acne for 10 years, which I obviously think there's a lot, you know, you want to do with the body or digestion. But what I love is that simply many people can heal their cystic acne or their rosacea just through switching up, you know, and just working with one of the best skin evers, which is pretty great because if you can have that transition without, you know, necessarily changing your diet because that can be a harder thing so you can get you know sort of have one area get clear you know boost your confidence it's really good so we're we're able to really because there's a lot going on with this skin you know and then there's a lot of our modern medicants and our modern skincare that has really disrupted the microbiome disrupted you know even the thing with like oily skin and oily in the t-zone blah, blah blah i mean that's kind of bs marketing stuff that Clinique created in the 1960s. So it's really getting people beyond, you know, just the sudsy surfactants and what we think is skincare, because a lot of that's just really damaging. So uh, what I love is that people really have profound um, transitions with just doing simple things. And of course, you know, we've had clients for 30 years, which I think is also a good testament that people don't get just bored of the skincare and move on. 
I think another area we've revolutionized is uh, is with deodorants. We we I've been making this thing called Poetic Pits, which is actually just uh, mainly sandalwood essential oil, which is like phyto. It's like a phytohormone that has a similar property to uh, androsterone, which we release from our pits. So when we're working with these underarm charms, I like to call them. You know, you're not working with any chemicals, and you're really just enhancing your own aroma. And they can last for days, like two, three days, you, you're smelling pretty sweet. So those are some radical things I think we've brought to people that have really changed things. Yeah, those three things alone, that's major. Um, beauty, so the face, oral, and the old pits. Let's take a couple steps backward because you're just throwing a lot of amazing information um, and kind of glazing over some pretty profound stuff. So let's back up to the beauty side of things in the face. You already kind of gave us a couple of um marketing uh myths so to speak such as like i don't know what you call that the tea i don't do anything like that so i don't know what you're talking about but i'm sure the ladies out there do <laughs> but what are some other myths whether it's in the marketing or the ingredients and otherwise that people should be looking out for uh, specifically to like the beauty and, and skincare um area yeah, well, I think, you know, soap, we talked about it so briefly, but like whether it's a mild foaming cleanser from like Whole Foods or like, you know, I don't know, Right Guard soap, do they make soap? So we've obviously got all kinds of scale of soap, but the thing is the modern surfactants in the soap, actually when they look under a microscope in the skin, they can see that they create these surfactant splinters that stay in our skin and they're microscopic. So they're really disrupting the microbiome. They're disrupting the sebum. Um, so that's one thing that we just really think soap cleanses. But, you know, those foaming cleansers with sodium lauryl sulfate aren't doing the skin and the microbiome any good. So I would just suggest that you just watch, like, wash pits and bits. Obviously, scrub your nails, wash your hands. But you don't need to be, like, foaming up even your arm or your leg. Like, we don't need soap that much. And when you work with oil which is something that was sort of cross-culturally, transhistorically used to clean the body, whether it was sort of the Roman baths where they'd oil up the skin and then use this thing called a striegel, which is sort of like a very dull butter knife. So it's not hurting at all, but it's like oiling the skin and then scraping it or like with a gua sha or yeah. like a bomb. So, you know, whether it was yeah, traditional Chinese culture, the Berbers, um, you know, the Moroccan women, a lot of people were using oil to cleanse the face or Cleopatra using crocodile lard. So it helps to like lift the dirt off and it keeps what sounds kind of gross, but we actually need the the bacteria to be our beautician. So I feel like a bit from the, you know, I don't know, the 40s, 50s, whenever we sort of got big on chemicals, there's sort of been this like germ warfare theory, whether it's, you know, in our fields with pesticides, whether it's with the oral microbiome and like antibiotic triclosan filled mouthwashes and toothpaste or you know these medic medicated soaps to wash our skin we're disrupting the microbiome and if we just sort of sit back and let the microbiome do its job and not disrupt it we're going to have a much more harmonious body you know so to speak and when i'm going into a body area to kind of figure it out cuz that's what i feel like past few decades is we're trying to like undo a few other decades of thought patterns or things and ways of taking care of the body that didn't really work. And so when I'm going into an area, I like to kind of step back and think, well, you know, how is it created? What's the 
biological design here? What needs to kick in without us thinking about it? You know, we weren't born with a toothbrush in our hand. So what is the body doing to take care of the mouth and keeping the skin clean, that kind of thing? So that's what I like to explore when I'm trying to figure something out. Well guys, Biolite has what's called bundles. So simply go to the Biolite website, biolite.shop, go into products and there will be a tab for bundles. With each of these bundles, there's three of them, you save 20% off on the entire package. For example, we have the Beauty Bundle, which includes a Shine and Stand, a Guardian Plus, and the Longev Revive Cream. So that bundle of three products, you save 20% off the entire package. There's the Recovery Bundle, that includes the Recharge Plus Panel, the Guardian Mouthpiece, and then the Longev recover cream and that recover cream is just like the revive cream except it has added cbd oil infused into it that package of three items all comes at 20 percent off and then the last bundle which is the most versatile bundle in the sense that you get to pick and choose what products you want you get to pick and choose from the recharge plus panel the restore plus panel or the matrix full body mat and then you get to choose between the guardian and guardian plus and then you get to choose between the revive and the recover cream it also includes the shine and stand so you get to choose between black and silver by purchasing those four products in the ultimate bundle you save 20% off all of the products you also save 20% off shipping so literally the entire package and shipping is 20% off so if you're ever needing some red light therapy products and are looking for a discount just remember the bundles are always 20% off 365 days a year no coupon code necessary and so initially were you talking about even um using soap for the entire body not even just the face, but like even no need, no need, no need. Interesting, unless so, like there's some real dirt. Sure, <laughs> sure. So I mean, and I can already tell just from the way you're speaking, and of course we talked about this a little bit beforehand. But you are a a student of history, and so you're going back into the archives and not necessarily just focused on modern day science and innovations, but you're looking to the past to see what uh, various civilizations and like basically ancestral health and healing in a way to to kind of bring those back to the present things we forgot about so that's all very interesting and then i haven't had anyone talk about essential oils on on this podcast and that's something i've heard from other on other podcasts that i've found very interesting and i'm kind of like interested and excited in the moment but then i never do anything about it so i'd love for you especially with your expertise to kind of speak more on essential oils to whatever depth you want, but kind of just give us an overview of the the potential healing and health benefits of essential oils and how maybe you use them in your life and how they're integrated into your products. Yeah, that's a great question. And that was, you know, I talked about that first moment I got to inhale some of them and they really spoke to me in a different way. And so I was so happy for that introduction because I feel like they really are this palette that I, that I get to work with. And they're so special because They've got this smell, which is like, you know, emotionally, spiritually, super fun. <laughs> and even when you're, even if you couldn't smell, the essential oil molecules go inside your uh, nose, up into your olfactory, talk to the hypothalamus and do different things. So there's a physiological thing that happens when we're inhaling the molecules. So inhaling rosemary, even if you couldn't smell it, it's still going to help your airways, you know, your lungs, that kind of thing. But of course, it's super fun to smell them. And they're super concentrated. So one drop has over over 500 bioactive ingredients, which I'm sure as we discover more things, we're going to see, oh, like, oh, it has 800, it has 900 of all these micro constituents. And so 
they each have, a, they all have amazing, so they're all different, but they, I guess we can say in general, they are all to varying degrees, antiviral, antifungal, antibacterial. A lot of them are anti-inflammatory. And so they're just so special because they're concentrated as well. And then they've been distilled. So then they don't have the plant toxins in them. You know what I mean? So they're, they're, there's not things like oxalates or things that we have to deal with. So they're in their sort of quintessence. They're in their purest form. And then they, you know, they can help to regenerate new skin cells. They can help a bruising. They can, you know, they, so they can help literally erase like keloid scarring. So their, their assistance to take care of the body is amazing. And there are many ways to use them, but that's one reason why I bring them into, into all of our oral care, skin care, hair care, scalp tonic, everything, um, because that's one way to use them. And why not have all of those things that you're having fun with and anointing your body with, why not let it be good for your immune system? You know, those monoterpenes, they're so rich in monoterpenes, which are great for the mitochondria. So rather than of course, having something negative that we're putting on our skin and ruining our microbiome. And let's go beyond neutral. Like, let's use things that are immune enhancing, cell enhancing, lymphatic enhancing. It just makes so much sense. Um, so that's why I love them. But of course, you can use them in skincare. You could distill them. You can, I mean, not like distill them to make them, but like, a, what is that called? A room distiller. Oh, yeah. Um, diffuser. Diffuser, <laughs> yep. I was about to say humidifier, but diffuser is yeah. correct. <laughs> humidifier, too. Um, yeah. You've got salt pipes. You can just snort from the bottle. So there's all those ways. Um, and then, of course, we make them in lots of different ways that are easy to use because we've got combos or that kind of thing. But they're they're pretty easy to use, but it can also be a whole other world of, like, you know, of healing. But also, if you just sort of incorporate it into what you're doing every day anyway, you know, drop in the bath, drop in your pillow. Um, great for first aid, you know, like I always have a bottle of peppermint on me because it's, it's literally like ice when you put it on, like it's cooling. And so if you've got a bruise or a hangnail or you're bumped something, or you've got a mosquito bite, one drop, you know, and it's, it's done. So they're very fun, very first aid. Or for example, in oral care, this was so fun. Cause I do like to go ancient, look at what we're doing. And then what can we find in modern science that actually proves what we want? <laughs> You know, let's use their science to take take it down. Like I love using the science to undo like things about sunscreen, that kind of thing. But one thing that I found so amazing is because I'm looking at a lot of the ancient practices for oral care, but you know, in, in the past decade or so, we've had so much more research on microbiome. So now what we're able to see is all these beautiful plants that were used for thousands of years for oral care, like clove, peppermint, frankincense, cinnamon, rose tea tree you know depending on the culture what we now know through modern science is that essential oils have this thing called worm sensing inhibitors so they're able so when you're using that clove in your mouth they're able to suppress the communication of pathogens and they're so the clove's able to prevent the pathogens from ganging up communicating and forming biofilms so i think that's a good example of how a like that's probably why we're, you know, using these things thousands of years ago. But also I think it shows how essential oils are so awesome for this time when we've got antibiotic resistance, when we've got all these issues where we have these essential oils that don't, they can clean up the pathogens, but they work with the beneficial bacteria. 
So you don't have this thing like an antibiotic that's just killing everything. So I think that's that's pretty cool. Kind of like blue light where uh, I was just thinking like in the mouth, it it takes down the the harmful bacteria, but leaves the beneficial bacteria alone. So you're left with a uh, a net positive result in, in the oral microbiome in that sense. Exactly. And then you have that great oral light device. What do you call that? The Guardian or Guardian Plus sure. with the blue light. Sure. So what you could do is take a dental serum, massage that onto the gums, even put a bit of, um, we've got like a toothpaste. You could put that into the, into the silicone tooth tray yeah, yeah. and then amplify, you know, everything that you're doing with that light, do the blue light, the red light, do them both, that kind of thing. You want the one thing with essential oils is yes, sometimes you can use them undiluted. Generally you're use them diluted, use them diluted. Cause of course right. you want them to be real and authentic. And generally, they're so potent, you do need to dilute them. But there are times when you would use it straight, you know, because you just want to put the peppermint on that cut or whatever and clean it. Um, so the dental serums are all ready to go. But you could use an organic peppermint and then just like a bit of a coconut oil or something. So it's like almost even a strong one-to-one ratio. And uh, just massage that on the gums. Or we have, health, um, we have happy gum drops. And this Yogi Tooth Serum, which is like with neem, it's like totally amazing, yeah. but better. So those kind of things will really help. And they work beautifully together, the light with the essential oils. Well, that begs the question, what other ways or what other essential oils could people use to interact with, with either sunlight or I don't know if you would know, like red light therapy. Oh. Is, are there essential oils that would make sense to kind of be synergistic with, with healthy light? Yes, totally there are. And I I can't I believe you've made a a blend for light, like a balm. You've made a balm mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, right? skin cream. So, yeah. so that's nice. And it has pigment rich things in it, things, botanicals, which is great. <laughs> and so I'm I'm saying that because A, you could use that with red light. But then if when we work with uh other essential oils, anything that's pigmented is often really great in the sun. And we've made a product called Everybody Loves the Sunshine, which would be us is awesome for red light and what that does is it helps people to interact wisely with sunlight so they can bring on a tan and um within that we have things like calendula and seabock thornberry which are, are super pigmented and then we've also got some botanical essences that have been shown in studies to correct the cellular pathway once it goes down sort of a malevolent pathway a disorganized you know not on a good path bring them back to center. So they're essential oils that are good for that. And they're good for even healing skin damage or, or sun damage. Although I like to say sun damage with quotes around it, because we th what we think is sun damage is really often things like hormonal contraception or diets high in manufactured PUFA oil. So the polyunsaturated fatty acids that are like mazola, soy, canola, when we have those in our diet, that just really seems to be creating a lot of hyperpigmentation. So what people think is the sun damage is not necessarily from the sun. Another thing that causes sun damage is sunscreen as well. So that's really interesting because, you know, we want to use stuff that help us be in the sun. And then, of course, you know, of course, I'm going to find uh, chemicals in sunscreens. And that is an issue. Um especially things like oxybenzene, which is banned in Europe, but still a main active ingredient in North American sunscreens. It is non-carcinogenic. 
until it's exposed to sunlight. So, oh great, yeah, exactly. So sunscreens are like chock full of endocrine disrupting, you know, liver disrupting, many different things are an issue. But the main issue with sunscreen, I feel, beyond the chemicals, is that it separates our reception of the UVA and the UVB ray. So the sunscreen literally just then is like it separates the UVB. So we're not getting any UVB with sunscreen. And that's the vitamin D creating ray. And then we're just getting UVA on its own. And UVA isolated is sun skin damaging. That's like, you know, the trucker that's gone westbound every, you know, every day at five and his arm and maybe the side of his face that's in the sun through the window for, you know, that's that there'll probably be more freckles on that side, so to speak. So when we receive the sun, we want full spectrum sun, you know, hopefully you can find a place to be naked, not have tan lines and just really bring it in because what is fascinating is that our skin is like the sun catcher. It was designed to be exposed to the sun. Like literally, we need that life force. Um, when our sun, when our skin finds the sun, and hopefully our eyes do at the same time, because as you have, as you have a podcast, I think on the all the beautiful receptors in the eyes that aren't just for vision, but they're to receive light and send that information to the mitochondria. So, so our skin also has vitamin D receptors everywhere. And when the skin and the, and the eyes are in sync and they're getting the same messages from the sun at the same time, rather than, you know, wearing um, sunglasses, because sunglasses actually disrupts tanning and it disrupts the body's signaling. And so, yeah, when the eyes and the, and the skin are seeing and receiving the light, then a whole bunch of systems in the body coordinate and we start to make the precursor to vitamin D. And that's a whole process, but it's very important because not to just take vitamin D supplements because we're not getting, you definitely, you, it's important to take vitamin D supplements, especially like I live in the winter. So I got four months without any vitamin D and you do want to keep that up, but it's a very narrow form of vitamin D. And what we're discovering now is that there's many types of D. When the sun rays touch your skin, the skin begins to vasodilate. So it's like the blood wants to come up near the surface and get cleaned uh, in that sunshine. And then that um, sunbeam on the skin also creates, it activates the cholesterol in your skin to create other forms of sterols. There's even one called like, so it's a very healthy cholesterol sulfate is created. There's also something called lumisterol um, created. And apparently there's a few dozen types of beneficial sterols that are created when the sun touches our skin. So we really need that diversity of the nuance of those light rays, because again, you know, and then we're getting the violet rays with the red, you know, we're getting the full spectrum of light. And I don't think We'll probably be thousands of years before we fully understand that. So it's best to just drink it in whenever you can. And so something like everybody loves the sunshine helps to harmonize those rays. Um, you can't use the word SPF, sun protection factor, because that's literally relegated just for chemicals. But things like jojoba, coconut oil, a beautiful real olive oil, those things kind of have this natural SPF. 
so to speak, of about a seven, eight, nine. So lubricating the body in that way can add to your sun time. And then depending on like if you're an Irish person with blue eyes and you have not been in the sun for a few years, you're going to need to start very slowly, you know, five minutes a day, that kind of thing. If you're like Mediterranean background, you know, you'd probably be fine with some olive oil and like, you know, be out for a few hours in the sun. And there's a great app called D-Minder that I think is really good for helping people start to know when is the UV in, in your area. Because it takes your geography, your, your longitude, your latitude, the weather that day. You can say how much clothing you're wearing, how much overcast it is. And so you can get a good idea of your D levels because that's like an ongoing thing, your vitamin D levels. So you can't just like take some vitamin D and then forget about it. And what I have discovered from like tracking my sun sessions for years is that, um, well, in Canada anyway, but like I can sun all summer, but I haven't had sun in for a month. And like now my D is like gone and I really do charge up, but you definitely, you know, you need more than 20 minutes a day if you're just relying on the sunshine for vitamin D. So there's location, geographical locations where that's going to work, you know, but I'm, when it's sunny here in Ontario, um, I'm, you know, generally getting about an hour a day, but that isn't every day of the week because obviously it's not sunny every day. So you really, it's good to chart it. It's good to know it because there's so much that functions on vitamin D sufficiency, including not getting burnt. <laughs> so you kind of have to have D to get the D to make the D. Right. It's a, it's a delicate balance. And I was going to ask you, like, and you kind of answered it actually, is like, what is your recommendation for someone who is been conditioned as we all have by and large to use sunscreen to cover up to use sunglasses whenever you're out in the sun it's like fear the sun and you know protect yourself because it's going to hurt you and your skin um so what is the stepwise progression because you wouldn't want to take someone like that and just go full-blown nothing or would you no yeah no you don't so what you want to do is, well, first of all, look at like, know the D in your area. So what's going on? Because of course it changes every day, every day of the year and know about the morning time too. So start, that's a beautiful time. So, and so the, from sunrise till the UV hits, which could be anywhere, you know, depending where you live closer to the equator, it's going to just be like an hour or so after you wake up up here, it could be two or three hours, but you're getting in that infrared and the red light and you're starting to harmonize that. Your eyes are getting adjusted to the light. Um, it's very good. You know, you don't want to be squinting in the sun. I mean, obviously there are times, but you you want your eyes to be able to be like, oh, it's bright and sunny out and you can handle it, which on a side note, will help you prevent crow's feet because you're not squinting all the time. Interesting, yeah. Um, so you're so getting used to the sun and being in it, but at that morning time, you don't have to be like bathing, bathing. You can just be out in the day. And the infrared will go through, you know, your clothes and that kind of thing. So it's a good time to walk the dog, go for a walk in the forest or whatever. Then the vitamin D comes out. Now, so let's say in the summer, it's around 10. I might not go out till 11 because I want to get when it's more concentrated. For me, I want to get like the 11 to 12 time or the 12 to 1 time. So I don't know. When I was growing up, it was like, don't go in the sun from 11 till 3. And I don't agree with that. You want to be in the, well, getting your sun, depending on how much time, until about solar noon which can be about 1, 1.30, depending on, because they do the, you know, things with the clocks, the daylight savings time. So know what is solar noon in your area. And I like tanning till about that noon time. And then again, so know obviously the closer to that, 
is the more vitamin D you're going to make in the less amount of time, but it is more concentrated. So that's what you're going to want to know too. So if you're just starting, maybe like, you know, that 10 to 1030 window is going to be very safe. And as when your skin starts to get pink, not burnt, but pink, that is your body. That's that vasodilation responding. That's a good time to get out. Um, but you just start slowly and start in the spring and you build it up now by June, July, you've got your melanin base. So every, when you're in the sun and you're getting all that signaling, then your skin is like, okay, great. We're going to create melanin, which is your natural sun protection. And it's also very healthy to have that melanin. There's a lot of biological processes that it's definitely good to be activating those melanocytes with the sunlight. And so, I don't know, I think that feeling of like, hey, I feel good with a tan is real because it is healthy. And you do have, when you have a tan too, you kind of know you've got a sufficient D level as well. So yeah, you're going to have to play play around. I would definitely, you know, start with the 20 minutes. But again, maybe you're literally five minutes, but you're starting 20 minutes, half an hour, and you're building it up as the melanin gets stronger. And then you'll know your own thing. Then wearing something like olive oil or everybody lives sunshine could just extend that time in the sun. So somebody that's like just okay with half an hour, if they've applying those oils, that could give them another half hour, another hour. And I can attest to the olive oil. When I was in Italy last year and we were picking some olives, like you literally just squish them, rub it on your skin and it felt wonderful, just silky smooth. And it felt natural, uh, literally. So I can attest to that. Is this vitamin D issue so important? Let's say someone is not healthy and they're like wanting to change their life and get better. Is it to the point where you would consider moving closer to the equator in order to more readily and consistently get that vitamin D and that sun uh, exposure on, on a daily basis versus like you and me? We're, I mean, you're in Canada. I'm very close to Canada, the border of Canada. So we don't see much sun. Yeah. Like you said, four or five months of the year. So is it, ever to a point that you would consider moving south to kind of flip the script so to speak and, and get more sun more often that's a great question i think if maybe there was more of a need but what i i think i've found some good things in the meantime one of them of course is your is your red light mat so red light well red light in general right but i love the matrix mat um just so you're getting like actual sunlight um another thing i've been doing is I'll still continue to go in the sun. I used to just not in the winter because I was like, well, I'm not going to get a tan. But now, and I, because we have these spots all over our land and in the home where, you know, we can follow the sun around, open the windows and like, you know, put out a chair and just be there. So I have these stations all over. And in, you know, December, February, I will open those doors and just be in that sunshine. So I feel like that is definitely helpful. What are the temperatures uh, that you're doing that? Oh, minus 20. Oh, no way. (laughs) That's dedication. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, it really, it feels, ah, it just feels so good, right? It just, and then we actually, I just started, I just got this device. I can't remember what it's called, but it's a D vitamin D light. It's like a couple bulbs. And so I'm experimenting with that. It's supposed to create a thousand IU in 30 seconds. Yes. You don't want to dose on that. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But also, yeah, so it's about bringing in the sun more and and having that red light that I can plug in that I found has really helped me. Because I, I, you know, I definitely not a fan of the winter, but I feel like I, I can ride it out more now. That's good to hear because I've always wondered that myself living in here up here in Montana. 
especially last winter for us, for whatever reason, it was a long one and dreary. And it was just like, by, by January, it had mentally worn me down. So it's like, man, if this continues, it might be worth seeking out, maybe not moving like 12 months a year, but seeking out somewhere south for a, for a month or two during the winter to kind of oh, yeah. cut down. We definitely on had winters where we've spent a month like in Hawaii. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm considering that. Costa Rica sounds beautiful. But let's, I don't want to change the conversation too much, but I do want to uh, ask another question on essential oils because I know from the little I have learned that quality is imperative. Can you speak to, because I don't want people to listen to this podcast, get jazzed about essential oils, and then like go on Amazon and find the cheapest one and like start, you know, using all these different essential oils and think they're getting the benefits. I would love if you could outline why quality matters and like what to look for in an essential oil, either just like the essential oil or like when it's included in a product, how, how are we able to discern quality? That's a great question. When it's in a product, it might be a bit harder to tell unless you're really good at smelling when it's a pure oil. I mean, there are things you want to look for, um, like the name, the Latin name, where it was grown, what part of the plant is distilled. So you should have all that. And we also put up a third party testing. So we, I have all my dedicated distillers I'm working with for 20, 30 years, some of them, but we'll still take the batch and send it to the lab. And then we put that up it's because yeah, if it isn't a real genuine essential oil, then it's just like a fragrance oil. And so it's just not going to have any of that magic and it's going to be an irritating aroma, like a Glade air freshener type of thing. But then sort of in between the the purity and that just Glade air freshener situation, there's a lot of games. And that's been going on for a while because essential oils for decades have been made for the food and flavor industry. So you've got these warehouses in New Jersey that are like, you know, supplying menthol cigarettes or Tropicana orange juice or perfumes, but they'll take the real and then like all kinds of you know, things added. So because a real, a liter of Rose Auto, Rose Petals Distilled, one liter, uh, two pounds, that's like $20,000, you know? And that like a liter of that in petrol, like just a fragrance oil, that's, I don't know, like 20 bucks. Right, so, right. I mean, the worlds and worlds apart. It takes 60 rose heads to make one drop of that beautiful oil. Wow. But that, and that's been made for hundreds of years, which is super cool. It's ancient medicine. Um, and so, or you could have like, like cinnamon bark, beautiful, just like in the, in the spice world, or you could go to the health food store and buy casea bark powder, same thing in the essential oil world. Instead of a real cinnamon oil, it may be casea bark. So that's why you're going to want that Latin name or, um, you know, there's blue oils, a beautiful one, blue tansy, which they'll sometimes pass off as German chamomile. Blue tansy is beautiful. If it's blue tansy, but not if it's German gamma. So there's all those kind of games, or they'll take lemongrass to make Melissa, because Melissa's like, you know, hundreds of dollars an ounce. So there's like a lot of that going on. Or they'll just take out the menthol, like make a synthetic menthol, and then you think, oh, it's peppermint because it smells like it, you know, or your toothpaste is flavored with the synthetic version. And then so your toothpaste may be minty fresh, but then it's not going to have those beautiful microbiome properties. So that's why you want it to be real, because then it will do what it says. But there's a lot of of the not real out there for sure. Right. You want those, those like you were saying, 500 bioactive chemicals yes. or molecules 
versus this other stuff like you're saying the synthetic stuff virtually has none right it just might smell good but that's where it just, begins and ends nothing you want the things that have been like you know tapped from the trees pressed from the petals made from the sap like that's that's where the fun is and speaking of food are there essential oils like legitimate essential oils you would add to food for one yes. reason or another yeah so essential oil internal use is like again you'll be like don't do it do it but again if you're working with pure oils you can and they are used in the food and flavor industry so you have to remember though they're super concentrated and you do want to dilute to use so you could take a drop of uh, manuka and put it in honey and put that in your tea or a drop of thyme or oregano put it in your olive oil and then make your salad dressing or you know what i mean it's really good no. in the fat part of recipes it's great in salad dressings it's great in cheese and there's about 80 essential oils that are uh, generally recognized as safe g-r-a-s the grass and those are all pretty much you can use all those as culinary anything that you're using herbally culinary you can use like you know cardamom lavender rose clove cinnamon marjoram you know that whole there's all those beautiful ones gotcha okay appreciate that clarification yeah. back we have to an article on our site that just talks about the culinary use just fyi Gotcha. On uh, Living Libations website? Yes. Perfect. Okay. Back to the sun. Is there anything mm -hmm. else you want to mention about its importance or like how to wield it or, or, or anything else you think is important to talk about relative to that? Yeah, I think just like, uh, well, Renegade Beauty, um, my book is generally, it's the thesis is like, you know, not another bottle of anything is necessarily going to revive our beings. What we want to do to really tap in is engage the elements. So we want to, you know, get back into a relationship with the sun, air, the earth, water, that kind of thing, you know, fresh water, standing on the earth, eating good food, working with beautiful botanicals on the body, you know, making sure we're getting clean water to drink, to bathe in. And then the sun, we want to really have a relationship with the sun um, because it really is essential to our being. Vitamin D is, it's basically, you know, so anti-cancer. And I feel like the sun kind of needs a new PR agency because somehow it's just seen as this like cancer fireball in the sky. But the reality is it does, it creates physiological processes in our body that are anti-cancer that are so key to our mitochondrial health that I think we want to engage with that element and understand our relationship to it again. So know those safe, totally safe times when there's just the red light or like not the UV yet rock those times again you've got that window at sunset again i love you know spending half an hour with the sunrise and the sunset if if possible any day that it's not cloudy i'm i'm there so getting to know the sun in that way and then having that midday snack so to speak where you can blast feel that beautiful sun on your body whether that's you know 10 minutes and then you're building up to like an hour whatever that means for you and then when you do need to not be in the sun, then, you know, seek the shade, wear clothing, put on a hat. Those things all help. We also have a version of Everybody Loves the Sunshine that has zinc. And so, you know, you can use zinc because what it does is it, it bounces the rays off. So it is actually a true sunblock. So you're not absorbing anything. So, you know, if you're surfing or something, you might want to zinc up your nose because there are times when our, there is just too much exposure. But it really is, it's safe. 
and it's anti-aging to be in the sun. You just want to do it wisely, you know? Absolutely. What are your thoughts on skin cancer as it relates to the sun itself? I know we've kind of talked about it, but I guess more directly, if people are getting treated currently for skin cancer, and then of course they're being told to like avoid the sun or protect yourself from the sun, so on and so forth. Like what's what's the remedy in that paradigm? Is the sun causing the skin skin cancer? Is it more of like a environmental factor, so to speak? Like like you talked about PUFAs, like is it a diet, lifestyle? How can we avoid skin cancer while wielding the sunlight? I know you've kind of answered it. I don't know if this is a good question. Yeah, or not. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good question. And I do go into more depth, like with studies and stuff in my in that chapter in my book. But it is a really good because that's what's on everybody's mind because we were so there are, you know, there's the few types of skin cancer, there's the melanoma, which is very severe and 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 can be deathly. Studies show that the more recreational time outside or working outside or the closer you are to the equator, the least less likely chance to develop melanoma. Now, this was a study in the New England Medical Journal in the 90s. And it, what it found was that uh, melanoma was more prevalent for people that worked in, with fluorescent lighting, and that kind of thing, which I mean, that was before, I mean, we're all in front of a computer screen now, like that was not happening in the 90s. So I'm not sure where that's all going to go. Um, but it, so it seems to be totally related to other things in the body, uh, rather than it is, it, I mean, it is happening with the skin. Um, there's also a really, really good book called, I think it's called Myth on Myth, The Sun and Melanoma is written by Dr. Bernard Ack Ackerman. And he was the founding father of dermatopathology, which is like more disease focused than dermatology. So a little bit more serious. And it's an amazing book. He's so renegade and he always had a tan. So it's like, if anybody's really serious, like, I mean, he's got all the research. It's, it's, it's amazing. So he goes on to show how it's, you know, it is a myth that it's melanoma. Now there are the other, the other ones that can come up because of the, of the cellular disorder. And again, I think it's still, what are we bringing from the inside to meet the sun? Cause it kind of takes two to tango. So I think inside our bodies, you know, we don't want to be, we want to be hydrated. We don't want to be dehydrated on Coca-Cola and coffee. We want to have healthy fat, not the PUFAs and hormonal birth control pills and that kind of stuff. Cause that's what then we're baking in the sun or we're putting on those chemical sunscreens. And it's kind of like the difference between like cooking with spray Pam, the Pam stuff that still exists or like cooking with beautiful coconut oil. And so it's like when we're meeting that altar of the sunshine, we're sort of like laying on that altar. We want to be aware of what we're bringing to that relationship. So there is all of that. But really what I'm seeing in the studies, um, especially like the Cochrane Review took, I think, about 14 different studies on this uh, sunscreen. And what it showed is basically that sunscreen use caused more skin cancer, more freckles, more moles. Wow. So I think, yeah, there's other things coming from inside when, you know, we've got to look at the health of the mitochondria, fung fungus in the body. There's a theory that um, melanoma might be a fungal thing. And again, I think we've got to amplify that vitamin D. Having ample vitamin D in your body slashes your risk of breast cancer by 50%, which is huge. Whereas, uh, you know, not drinking or something, I think slashes it by like 10 or 15. So we possibly could be drinking margaritas in the sunshine. <laughs> the sun would outweigh the, the margarita. 
Yeah, well, I appreciate that answer. That that provides some pretty good clarification and some answers and kind of makes sense to me. Like you're saying, a lot of it's environmental, fluorescent lights, what you're ingesting, uh, whether that's food or contraceptives or other other uh, pharmaceuticals, I would guess. It's the interplay between all of that and how you present your biology when exposed to the sunlight that ultimately matters. Exactly. With you and your uh, expertise, and I, again, we've kind of touched on it, but holistic dental care. Uh, like I mentioned to you before we started recording, and you're aware of because you listen to the podcast, I've interviewed two holistic dentists the past couple of years, and they've really illuminated me, and I hope the audience, with the importance of oral care, not just for a pretty smile, but because of the systemic implications for our health and wellness. If you could, just provide the audience with what you've learned over the years, because like you said, you're not a quote-unquote dentist, but you've written a book on holistic dentistry, so you've learned a lot throughout the years. So just share with us some of the low-hanging fruit or important things that you've learned information-wise, and then if you want to touch on some of your products, you kind of have, but uh, please do so as well. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things I learned is that you know, the teeth are alive and connected to the body, which makes so much sense, but they're bones and they're alive and they can grow and heal. And the mouth um, is also this almost like an oceanic environment. So we want this alkaline saliva. And we talked about it before with that sort of germ warfare theory, which was very prevalent in dentistry, right? It's just like try and sanitize and kind of kill the mouth, but you can't because it's alive. And so what was interesting to me is that actually a mouthful of bustling bacteria actually might be the thing that keeps the dentist away. And that really so much of our modern dentistry has sort of put us in uh, compromising situations with our health. And so if you're an adult right now, there's probably stuff you have to undo from, you know, childhood dentistry, that kind of thing. Um, you really want to take care of the gums and the sulca. That's where the teeth and the gums join. So that area is a lot of trouble for people because that's where you can get the receding gum lines, the bone loss that might happen because once the gum has receded, that part of the tooth that then is exposed is not the same kind of enamel. And so it's a lot more susceptible to cavities. Plus, as the gums get weaker, that's sort of like a lot of our brushing can kind of sweep under the rug of our gums. So you want to be brushing gently. We don't want to be having like splayed toothbrushes, you know, like six months down the road. And you want to be going like from the gum down or like from the gum up if you're on the bottom. So you're not, you know, we normally go sort of go up and down, back and forth. You just want to go one direction, which is a bit slow at first, but then it gets faster. And I've made these eight steps that can really, and they're on our website, but they can really pull you sort of a you know, sort of pull the socks up in your mouth to kind of get things in order and a lot of steps or the following these steps. And I've got other articles on like how to find a dentist and stuff. Because if you haven't been to the dentist in a while, you're going to want to do these for like three to six months to get things in order so that you're sort of having a, a shorter, less expensive, hopefully dentist appointment, taking care of a lot of the stuff yourself. Because there isn't much once you get to the dentist that they can do for a receding gum. You know, it's going to take time. You want to keep those gum pockets clean. Bones can heal. Cavities can reverse because the bones are alive. And so we want to make sure that we're getting the right nutrients to those bones. That's what's so key. And vitamin D is so important to the bones. And you actually do have a podcast on that with Dr. Gould. 
It yep. might be a bit older. That's an awesome one because he talks about even how things like TMJ, bruxism, jaw issues are a lack of vitamin D, even sleep apnea. So we got to get the D up. That's super important. And whiteness of the teeth is really from the inside out. So you want to have a lot of those, that the fat soluble vitamins, the D3, the K2, the right amount of minerals that will help your teeth be white because the, the enamel is actually transparent like a window. And Maybe if you've seen people on a really poor diet, hardcore vegan or something, and then they get that kind of gray glassy teeth. And that's because they're lacking those mi those minerals and, and fat soluble vitamins that are, that are sort of in that pulp chamber. And so the teeth are like trees and they're drawing up nutrients from the roots. And then through this whole process, which is super cool, eat like the teeth have a lymphatic system which was like, that was pretty mind blowing to me when I was learning that in 2012. And so that's what's actually bringing the nutrients to the teeth. And then the odontoblasts push out the, this lymphatic fluid that it's called the dentineal lymphatic fluid, push it out onto the surface of the tooth, like a microscopic sweat. Mm. And that very key, it's like a buffering agent that coalesces with the saliva to help heal and go to areas that need repair but it also keeps things out of the tooth. And then if that system of that flu of the dentineal fluid stagnates because we don't have enough minerals or we're super stressed, like think of teenage times, pregnancy times, or you got your phone by your parotid gland all day, that makes that system reverse. So first like it will just stagnate that system of bringing the dental fluid out onto the tooth. So then it will just sort of stagnate and not do that. But then if things get worse, it actually reverses. And then the tooth becomes like a straw and it pulls in from the oral environment, which could have, you know, bacteria, blah, blah, blah. And then that's how a cavity is actually formed. It's through that reversal of that system. Interesting. Which is there to the tell teeth healthy. Yes. I call that the invisible toothbrush. So things like red light, vitamin D, like those, you know, nothing to do with toothbrush and toothpaste. Those really help the body and the whole dentineal system. And it's just interesting. You brought up a uh, gum recession because my, uh, I don't know if you listened to this episode, but Dr. Ron Primus from last week was giving us his anecdote of having braces decades and decades ago, which caused gum recession yeah. and scarring. And then he started right. using the Guardian, uh, and within a couple of weeks, he noticed not only did his gums get like stronger and healthier, but the recession was lessening, so basically reversing. So it's cool, yeah. these kind of anecdotes. Um, and you kind of touched on this towards the end, and I was going to ask you this anyway. What, like, what are your thoughts on brushing your teeth once a day or twice a day or at all? What are your thoughts on flossing? I think it was Dr. Dominic Nishwitz, and I've seen him on um, social media as well, like he's not necessarily a fan of brushing your teeth. If your oral health is in check, like if it's in a different situation, maybe brushing is for you for the moment, but he's not necessarily a proponent of it. Same with flossing. Sure, if you have stuff in your teeth, get it out, but flossing daily and potentially, you know, impacting your gums on a daily basis and opening those up and then you're opening the, the oral microbiome, so to speak, like a leaky like a leaky gut yeah, leaky, but in your mouth. Leaky gum, it literally, yeah. I talk about leaky tooth, leaky gum. Yeah. Yeah. If your mouth is not happening, then you're going to want to do those eight steps twice a day. 
until it's evolved. And then you could totally go down to like one a day. And you certainly don't have to like brush every time you eat. I actually recommend don't brush after you eat. There's still a lot of activity. Acids are settling, that kind of thing. If you do need to brush right away, you'd want to do a mouth rinse with just salt, a salt, just put in a pinch of salt or a pinch of baking soda and just get everything calm and alkaline again. Flossing, well, we for sure don't want to use like Johnson & Johnson's petroleum covered floss or anything probably at the drugstore. But if you get the right floss for you, we have a couple, we have one made of silk, one with frankincense and charcoal on it. And there's one that's super thin. Anyway, but what's fun when I suggest a floss is you're going to put one of those dental serums along the floss. And then you're going to go in. And if you do happen to floss when you bleed, if you do that, probably by the second time you're doing that, the bleeding will be gone. If you put on one of those dental serums, because they're very, they're voluntary. They're very, they speed up the healing. So definitely you don't want to be flossing if every day you're bleeding, like you need to be, you know, you can't have, obviously that can happen, but if the floss is making you bleed every day, you got like spongy, you got issues with the gums. You need to strengthen them on every level. Um, and loose gums or sense like gums that are in need or receding gums, that actually is one of the root causes of a sensitive tooth. So it's really in the gum and the gum line that you want to take care of. And uh, like a sensitive toothpaste, they're kind of BS because they anesthetize. And like so many modern things, they're literally just throwing a bandaid on it and maybe making it worse and not getting to the underneath thing. I'm always about getting the underneath Let's get there. And so, um, yeah, people found just even switching to our toothpaste, the sensitivity goes away. Um, and then they start working on healing their gums. So, yeah, you, there. I think I, I, I like what Dr. Dom's saying. And I feel like, you know, there's probably like some different ways you can come at, at that. Sure, sure. And certainly different from person to person based on their oral health uh, situation at the time. Maybe this is an obvious one, but like, what are your thoughts on oil pulling? And if you're a fan, like, are there essential oils you would include? Yeah, I love oil pilling. I wrote a little, there's a little article on our website. There's lots of little articles on our website, by the <laughs> way. Um, so yeah, go for that. Um, we've made swishing serums, which we've amped up with things like vitamin D and that kind of thing. But I also have in my books recipes that you can take that coconut, you can use coconut oil, MCT oil, olive oil, sesame oil, as long as it's real. And it all it is basically is putting that teaspoon in your mouth, swishing it, you know, for any like 10, 15 minutes very good at whitening, cleansing. It's just really taking care of the oral microbiome as a whole. I think it's also good for kids to do because they're never getting like everywhere. That's for sure. Um, but you can amp it up. You can add probiotics. You could add a drop of peppermint. You could add a drop of oregano. You could add a little bit of charcoal powder. Like there's so many fun things you can do that oil pulling to like kind of upgrade it. And I think it is a great thing to do. Another fun thing to do that really helps to heal the gums um, this was created by a, a dental surgeon, Dr. Paul Keyes, because he also found that dental the gum surgery is a bit of a Band-Aid. So a lot of people have the gum grafting, and then eight, 10 years later, they got to do that area again because it, the root issue was never taken care of, which is the why is the gum receding? Um, anyway, so if you just sort of brush normally, and then if you add, well, I don't mean normally, I mean with a good toothpaste and all that, but then do the brushing and then take extra baking soda. So just, and then coat your mouth and then, so it's like just all sitting there 
and then take half a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar and you pour that in your mouth and then you've got this like grade six science experiment in your mouth just foaming <laughs> it is so good at plaque removal it feels like you've just been to the hygienist so that's really cool yeah and uh, the uh, vinegar is acid obviously but baking soda is so alkaline that the sum total is still alkaline gotcha interesting for plaque removal gosh you have you have all the tips and tricks i mean is there anything else on the topic of oral health i mean you've you've covered quite a darn bit is there anything else you do personally that's like a needle mover or any other low-hanging fruit for people i think that's those are some really good switches but like get off the sodium laurel sulfate toothpaste the triclosan like really those ingredients are creating receding gums and that kind of thing and if you're interested in more in-depth things like what about wisdom teeth root canals uh jaw cavitations then i've got that really deeply covered in the book because gotcha. those are very serious things yep absolutely and again we'll, we'll leave this in the show notes but just as a reminder the book is holistic dental care and so i'm sure the book lives up to its title all right nadine well it's the red light report and, and you've kind of touched on it but give us your thoughts and and uh, maybe maybe even story how did you get into red light therapy were you interested in this years and years ago or is this kind of a new thing that you've integrated into your lifestyle yeah actually i've been kind of like I feel like I look back, I've been like trying to find the biohacking things like since since the 80s and 90s. <laughs> I would be You're like one of the trailblazers. Yeah. So I've been using red light for a long time, but I feel like it kind of really in the past six years got more like, no, this is a thing we do pretty much every day. And so that I've really appreciated. I think the other thing when I was studying the sun that really came home to me for the red light was and i thought i knew about the mitochondria and i thought i knew about melatonin but when i found out about the daytime production of melatonin in the mitochondria i was just blown away so we all know that our pineal gland produces the melatonin at night and circulates through our blood that's about five percent of the story but what's supposed to be going on is that we're supposed to be out in the morning light getting that red light and then melatonin is created within the mitochondria which acts as like the cooling fluid for the atp production which no matter how healthy you are there's a byproduct from that kind of like an excrement so to speak from converting that energy and that's where you get the the free radicals or the oxidative situation and so when we don't get that red light exposure to create the melatonin in our mitochondria, that daytime melatonin, then we are missing out on one of the master antioxidants for the body, which is more powerful than glutathione or even vitamin C. So that to me really made like getting that. And I do feel, I mean, I've had red light any time of the day, but I really love it in the morning. And that's where I was really like, you know, if I'm not getting outside, then this is really essential to get that red light morning blast. Yeah. And to your point, like it's most of that production, most of that melatonin production that we associate with the sleepiness begins like when you wake up, like you should be getting that sun exposure. So your your sleep regimen begins when you wake up, which I think is certainly backwards for most people. And it was for me the first time I heard that. Um, then kind of makes perfect sense, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how do you use red light therapy? Like what, what maladies, if, if you've treated any, have you been able to kind of overcome or, or heal from with red light therapy or, or what, what other things have you, or maybe your husband or, or other people that use it have noticed? Cause I always just love hearing about the anecdotes and what other, other people are noticing. Cause a lot of times, I mean, the research can only show so much, for example, 
testosterone boosting. There's like, there's literally zero articles with boosting testosterone, yet there's dozens and dozens and probably hundreds of anecdotes of mostly men, of course, boosting their testosterone levels simply by integrating red light therapy. So I'm just kind of curious if you have any of those uh, types of um, anecdotes you can share. Well, I definitely like, I feel like I use it so regularly that it's almost hard to tell because it's just sort of part of our being, but we definitely have different, a variety of different sort of gadgets that for any topical situation, or like if my son, you know, does something like scrapes a knee or like, oh my God, do you need stitches? So we'll pull out a variety of red light. And then that really is bringing the skin together, cleaning it sort of but I mean, we're using a lot of things that when one of those things happens, but so I love it as this like skin healer, you know, where it's cleaning, sealing, healing. I mean, I wouldn't travel, I travel with that matrix for sure. Cause it just always feels like, oh, if you can't, you can just at least get the little cozy red light. Like I'll will sometimes, cause the, I like the matrix cause you can even be put under the duvet, you know, two people can kind of share the, the, yeah, the yeah. light if you want, you know, you can sneak it into your bed and like even if i or if i wake up at five in the morning i can like just turn that on instead of going down to the red light which just seems super luxurious yeah. or in the winter the, the sunrise is coming through my window so i'll like let's so i'll open up the windows and then just be wrapped in that red light blanket and watching the sunrise so we use it like that and then at night our whole house is like glowing with red light so i feel like that's how we use it it's just like a jet like really steadfast in our lives and to your point, as far as having a glowing red house, like red light is the only visible wavelength that doesn't inhibit melatonin production, you know, speaking on melatonin. So yeah. I think it's one of those things, maybe in the future, it'll become more of a, I don't know if it'll be mainstream, but more popular to not have any of your normal lights on, but only red light, because that way you can still see where you're walking and navigate around your house and whatever, but you're not going to be inhibiting that normal circadian rhythm so I, i'm i'm a fan of that for sure yeah it's made a big difference because like right now it's kind of dark at 4 4 30 you know we get to have light and it just like makes a really nice ambient it's really changed our winters because like otherwise right in the when before i thought about that years ago it'd just be like okay it's four you know four to ten you got just like all this light on so wow. we also have to get things done before the red light comes I'm like oh quick <laughs> well appreciate you sharing that you're just full of information so i can only imagine your your beauty bible and that holistic dental care i'll be i'll be checking them out for sure i guess any other words any other words of wisdom or, or anything else that you want to share with us today you've given us a lot to think about i think just like yeah get outside don't be afraid of the sun and if you you know if you're trepidatious of what i'm saying you know wear a hat and just tan the rest of your body you know if you're if you're worried about things like that and just get that sun into you, like just, you know, feel it again, like let it, Hafiz has a poem and it talks about a flame has been lit inside me for which basically the sun is the moth. Yeah. So we all have this light inside of us, you know, I just feel like it's so important to commune with the sun in all the different ways. So it's not just that UV thing you got to be afraid of, like all day long, there are gifts from the sun and all day long is the red light from the sun. It's always there. Yep. So yeah, get outside. And then also, you know, do those simple switches with your teeth. Um, a lot of people can get afraid of like be, having neglected their mouth or they don't know what's going on in there. Just start with some set with some of those steps and um, really wherever your mouth, your mouth is at, it really can 
evolve because every part of it is live. So the gums can heal, the teeth can heal, the whole microbiome can become balanced. So just know that because sometimes people feel a bit discouraged with where their oral care is at. Absolutely. Okay. Appreciate that. Um, and lastly, Nadine, where can people go to learn more about you and from you? Um, and we'll leave all of these links in the show notes. Uh, I, I have a lot we'll share with the audience, but for the listeners. We've got Living Libations main hub. You know, all of our creations are there. And then you've got interviews and articles and stuff. And then the books are wherever books are sold, including our website. We've got both of them on Audible. And I'm also on Instagram. And there's YouTube, you know, the regular channels. Good to find you. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of that information, like you're, you were telling us about all those blogs, are on that livinglibations.com. Yeah. Gotcha. Perfect. Well, Nadine, I mean, this has been amazing. You've been a wealth of information, uh, given us a lot to think about. A lot of, like you, like you said, simple things. You don't have to do everything at once, but you know, start with one thing and it'll lead to another. It's kind of a snowball effect of health. So I appreciate your yeah. time, appreciate your expertise, appreciate what you're doing. All these decades of hard work culminating into these books, this information, these products. Uh, so I'll, I'll certainly be checking out your products and because and, I'm all about that um, natural altruistic lifestyle, especially high quality products. I love what you're doing with living libations. Well, I really appreciate your podcast. So thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor to have you on Nadine. This has been a long time coming, so I appreciate you. But for Nadine Artemis, this is Dr. Mike Belkowski signing off another episode of the Red Light Report. And you guys have a fantastic week. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, Go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolite.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolite. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.